Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Wednesday to you. Okay, it is our second and final hour here on the network, the Film Guy Network. It is NBR. Nothing but rants to show where we find topics that we're highly passionate about and we pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that we are hot about. We're going to play What If Wednesday, a little game that we love to play here every Wednesday. Magical scenario times. We're going to get up on the board and play some magic scenarios and go through them, make our decisions, make our stances before one of the wildest weekends of decision-making processes that the College Football Playoff Committee has ever had. Definitely the wildest. Uh, we're going to play Guess That Team. We have some transfer news, and the NIL money market is going absolutely bonkers, and we're going to update some Heisman odds as well. But first and foremost, uh, I want to say something, okay? 2020 sucked for a lot of people i mean a lot covid was awful um it, it created a lot of uh hardships for a lot of people in this world i think we're still feeling it uh still feeling some remnants um of that you know whole situation if you will um and, and i'll be 100 forthcoming with this opinion 2020 season of college football would have been really really shitty if that was your last year of college football, if you were a senior in that class and that was your last year of college football with no fans in the stands, maybe you only played six games, maybe you only played five because you had a team in the Big Ten opt out because you didn't have enough team, or, you know, members of the team tested positive, negative, whatever, whatever the case is, I have no bones about telling you I think that those seniors in that year of college football, that there's no way that should have been their last year of college football. That 100%, the NCAA should have given every single senior that year an additional year of eligibility. In fact, if they would have done that, I would have come out and said, hell yeah, NCAA, great decision. Finally, for the first time ever on this network, we would have probably given you resounding applause if that's what would have happened. And to an extent, I'd say to about one-fifth of an extent, that is what happened. They did give every senior an additional year of eligibility after the COVID year. And so insert this whole idea of super seniors. We got our first introduction to this in 2021, and we continue to have our introductions to these things in 2022 and 2023, and we will fill these remnants on into 24 and in 25 because the NCAA didn't just give those seniors an additional year of eligibility. They gave everybody that was on a college football roster in 2020 an additional year of eligibility. And that's great. I'm super happy about that. I'm super glad that we have 35-year-old quarterbacks playing college football. It makes the product better. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm okay with guys getting to live out their fantasies of playing college football for nine years. I'm okay for this. I'm here for this to an extent. But I'm also here to tell you that it is directly impacting the lives of high school seniors. And it has for the last three or four cycles. And it will continue to do so for three or four cycles. Because these additional years of eligibility are impacting how many high school seniors get the opportunity to go play college football. Because you're creating a backlog. 
And this was so easy to see. The foresight required, I mean, the foresight required to know that this was coming was minuscule. So much so that the moment the ruling came down, I was just telling these guys before the show, I was on uh, a show out in, based out in California. We're talking about Brock freaking Bowers in high school in Napa. All right. We're talking about this great tight end. And I get a notification. Boom. NCAA going to give everybody an additional year. And I said, that's awesome. But it's really going to screw some kids over in a couple years because there's not going to be enough room. Because they didn't go 85 to 15. They didn't go 80, or excuse me, to 100. They didn't go 85 scholarships to 105 or to 110. They didn't give a whole year's worth of extra eligibility for the roster counts. So we have, we have kids now, guys. We have kids now that whose dream was to play Division I college football that will now be taking out student loans to go bang their head against the wall in Division II. And that's fine. That's great. Division II product just increased, right? Except wrong, because the NCAA transfer portal was enacted in the same time period. So now we got guys going to Division II that probably should have been playing at D1AA or probably should have been playing at Division I schools that didn't get an opportunity to because the seventh-year senior offensive guard from UTEP wants to transfer to UTSA. And that's awesome. It's great. It's all good. Except now we got all these backlog channels, and now all these kids are going to Division II. Division II football increases, right, Brooks? Wrong. Division II football has turned into a minor league system. If you're worth a shit in Division II football, guess what happens? Clemson finally comes and finds you, which is what we had happen today, guys. We had a left or a right tackle from Shorter University, my alma mater, play one and a half years of really good, high-quality football at, in Rome, Georgia, against the likes of West Florida and Valdosta State and Delta State, and he dominated. And guess what? He ain't playing no more at Shorter. His ass going to go play Division I football. And that's great for that kid. But what happens to Shorter's right tackle position? Now Zach Morrison and his staff got to go find another gym. And what incentivizes them to do that? So Clemson can steal him in a couple of years for a couple hundred grand. This is uh, obvious that it was going to happen, boys. I just didn't know it was going to happen this long and impact football for this long. And I understand that there's no... There's no right way to have done this, right. except I think there was a right way to do this. It was the additional year for the seniors that their last year of college football was impacted. Guys, we got some guy named Spencer Petros that's going to play seven years of college football. He graduated high school in 2018. And he's got a full year of eligibility left, and he's in the portal for the second time. Like, He's going to cost somebody an opportunity, and that's the reality of this. Yeah, and especially if, like, if you are playing seven years of college football – most of the time, it's a guy where you probably want to say, buddy, let's move on to something else now. Yeah. Like, this ain't it. Like, this obviously is not something that's going to turn into a bigger goal or, like, your future. This is Like, football is not your future. It's like, let's just move on now. Let's go do the next thing in our life. Let's take the next step. Let's leave college and go do something else to open up another spot. And it is super senior brigade right now in the transfer portal as of today. Some interesting news around K.J. Jefferson. News broke today, reports, sources, confirmed, all this good stuff, that this guy was hitting the portal. He immediately ran to Instagram and said that he has not made his decision yet, which we were talking about pre-show. We didn't know whether or not he was talking about his decision to transfer, where he was going, or whether or not it was his decision to enter the transfer. But nonetheless, one of these obvious cases of a super senior, he'll be playing his sixth year of college football next year. Grayson McCall has entered the portal for the second time. Okay, for those of you who don't remember, this is the Coastal Carolina quarterback that was good back during the COVID season. He's got a whole other year of eligibility, and he's entered the portal for the second time. Last offseason, he entered the portal. 
presumably doing the same thing that he's doing now, searching a bag, looking for a better opportunity. Didn't find one last year. Went back to Coastal Carolina. Got hurt a couple times, but had another, you know, Grayson McCall season and is now going to be available. Auburn in every Auburn fans in every single announcement of portal entry at the quarterback position, to be expected. Uh, Riley That's Leonard. Fair. Riley Leonard entered the portal with a no contact. All right, meaning you have the option to enter the portal as here's my phone number, call me whenever you want. You have another one that is a non-contact, all right? So you can enter the portal and nobody can call you. That's what he did, and he's already committed to Notre Dame. So I, has, that, it, has that officially happened? Or? It's, it's been reported. I, it's, I don't know if he's officially made an announcement, but he's going to Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. All signs point to him going to Notre Dame. And then also um, – what what's his name going to Max UNC? Johnson. Max, Max Johnson, Johnson. I already committed to UNC. These these are legal legal and they're not tampering because Riley Leonard entered the portal and his head coach had taken another job, so he is free meat out on this market. Same thing for Max Johnson because obviously Jimbo Fisher had been fired. But I'm not accusing tampering until I see no contact. Once I see no contact entrant, how in the hell are they getting into your phone book? And how also did you announce yesterday with no contact purposes and we have reports of you already going to a school and haven't made a decision? Yeah, why, why would you even enter the portal with no contact? That's what I don't get to me. Because you don't want to be bothered. You already know where you're going. And no one's going to ever enforce these rules. Okay, well, I mean, that, that makes sense. But it's, it almost seems obvious that you've been in talks with these teams since prior to when the portal was open. So it doesn't make sense. Thoughts on the moves today, assuming that Riley Leonard does go to Notre Dame. Thoughts on that? The second time taking a stab at an ACC quarterback. Can't beat him, join him. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe he went to the school that destroyed his ankle early in the season him. pretty much and crushed his hopes. He does have a better uh, chance. I mean, yeah. in terms of like making it to the NFL draft. But we said the same thing about Sam Hartman last year, and I don't think that resulted in any type of bump in Started an NFL draft. Started off great. Stock. It did for the first three weeks. They're like, oh my God, Notre Dame's got a good quarterback. Notre Dame has a Heisman contender. They I might, even, they might win the national championship. Dude's got his career name. backup written all over him. I haven't even heard his name like the last six weeks of the season. He could be a he could be a Jimmy G though. He's handsome enough. <laughs> KJ Jefferson getting rumored to a bunch of different places. South Carolina sounding like a, a a good landing spot for him. Apparently, South Carolina fans seem to think so. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina is going to have to get a quarterback because yeah. I mean, you you can't take another step back year next mm -mm. year. You cannot go a season where you're trying to figure things out at the quarterback position because Spencer Rattler is now going to the NFL. You got to get you a guy that has some experience somewhere. And KJ Jefferson will at least have SEC experience. Were we surprised by Spencer Rattler going to the NFL? I wasn't. No. No. Can't be. You can't be sticking around there and getting hit for another year no. like that. Oh, I mean, Lord, no. I mean, it's I, been two full seasons where he's just getting lit the fuck up. No, he's. Ah, oh, dang. It. Ooh. Two tonight. You were going. You are on a really solid streak, and now it's two tonight. I was. I was. What it's two tonight. Um, that's on me. I think. You know who got me? Kirk Herby. Herb Street. Herb Street saying the Dude. F word today had me feeling like I was legal. Mm -hmm. Dude, you know, that able was. To do it. That was on. I eh? like I the tweet I put out was it, this gives me the same vibes you get when you the first time you hear your dad tell a dirty joke where you're like, oh, oh you're game. You, you can do that. <laughs> you, do, you do that. What'd you think about it? I was like sitting there watching it, and then when he started going off, I was like, what the heck? I was like, who is this guy? He clearly does not like Florida State. No, he doesn't. He does not want to see Florida State in no, the college football playoff. No, he doesn't. And you know what? I think the college football playoffs set their ass up for this. They set themselves up for doing this most deserving does not enter the conversation. That's bullshit. 
That's straight. That's a straight up lie. Every year we have one of these teams that gets in because they're most deserving. Mm-hmm. Every single year. Yep. We don't, we've never picked the four best football teams. What my my argument to that, like like I said last night, is what do you use to pick the four best teams? That's a great. Is it is it all eye tests? Because I mean. At that point, strength of schedule has to play in it because if you watch a team beat up a bunch of cupcakes compared to where if a team is playing three and four top 15 teams. like Well, I think like for Georgia, for instance, <coughs> I think that's a pretty easy one of they played the best football in the toughest four-week stretch of anybody in the entire sport. Like that four-week yeah. stretch from Florida all the way to Tennessee, that is the most impressive stretch of football games played by anybody in the entire mm-hmm. country. So that, that right there is like, okay – Clearly, they separated themselves for those four weeks. We can tab them as one of the four best teams. Yeah, in the but country. it's not that black and white for all the other teams. No, yeah, that's why I said for a team like Georgia, it's easy because of yeah, that. that's why I think it's so hard on the committee to say you know the four best teams. What is how do you define the best teams? Yeah. Gut, gut and consensus. I th- I think there's a consensus. Florida State's not one of the four. Yeah, but you Yet, could certainly there's make it. Still going to be. Some debates well, you about know, them getting in. It's the same thing that we if got into win. for the first rankings when they put Ohio State at number one. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But then at, literally the committee themselves came out and were like, we don't know that they're actually the best team, but they have the best resume. So they're the most deserving of the number one ranking yeah. right now. And everybody's like, Weird. why are we doing this? If nobody thinks they're the best team in the country, then do not, don't put them at number one. Like, there's no need to do that. Because um, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think you can buck data at that point. Like at that point, Ohio State had played the toughest schedule. They had done everything right. Like I test, no, they weren't the best team in college. They football. were the only top ranked football team that had a keynote win. Yeah, at the time. right. I think that was the reason they did it. But yeah. it's just weird. They that did. Res- I think they said resume, not deserving. Yeah, they, they, they look at the resume so far. Yeah, they don't. They weeks. don't do. They don't. I don't think they ever use the word deserve. Not this year. I just it was weird. They that, have like, in years past. Yeah. You, you in years past, yourself. they've done a bunch of different qualifications. They've gone back, back to the box checking type resume deal. Yeah. Um, in years past. Uh, before we move on from the the, and I don't know how we quite got back onto the the college football playoff discussion, but before we move on from these transfer quarterbacks, did y'all see what Matt Rule had to say today? Yeah, that's pretty. Ooh, that's yeah. wild. So for those who haven't seen it. Matt Rule was asked about uh, potentially going out and, and getting a, a transfer quarterback in the in the transfer portal, and he kind of scoffed at the idea and basically looked at the reporter and said, "Have you seen the market value for transfer quarterbacks and starting quarterbacks in Power Five football right now? It's about a million and a half to two million dollars." So I would presume Riley Leonard was the highest price tag so far. Yeah. So we are to presume that, you know, Riley Leonard got one and a half, maybe $2 million in Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Because they were the ones who paid Sam Hartman. We already know that. Mm -hmm. Wake Forest's coach came out and said it this week. Are you talking about? He can't turn down life changing money. Are you talking about players that have already found their new home? No, I'm just talking about the idea that a a starting Power Five quarterback costs $2 million nowadays. That to me. That, to me, makes no sense. That's crazy. But, I mean, I, I think the most expensive on the market right now is K.J. Jefferson. You think so? I mean, for a guy, because he's the dual threat, the prototypical, yeah. he's the perfect build. Oh, you know, I think he has the highest ceiling, which, I mean, ceiling equals dollar signs. Well, they just gave Bobby Petrino 1.5 up there at Arkansas, so I would imagine they could pony up for their quarterback. Yeah. You would think, you right? I think so. I would think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's, it's crazy. And the money at the top end of schools is nuts. And I, I kind of knew, right? We kind of knew. We felt we, we, we felt the Talia 
Tugavaloa stuff was bullshit last year, but now we kind of know maybe he wasn't, you know, telling tell a lie. Maybe he's being truthful. Lie. Yeah. Maybe it was seventy five or $750,000, maybe not $1.5 million. Maybe it was half of what was reported. Nonetheless, it's stupid money. I tweeted about uh, potential. There's a lot of people asking how guys like uh, Riley Leonard and guys like Max Johnson could already make their decision when the portal window is not open. Um, those guys are already – available their fresh meat because their coach has been fired or left their program so that's available but when i tweeted that this is some awkward tampering going on because i was i was uneducated on the new rule that they or the rule that they put in about this and how they're opposite of the of the transfer portal rules in terms of the window Uh, somebody tweeted or texted me and told me this and i started a conversation with a couple of these coaches about how crazy this nil market's gotten and how much this money's gotten and I talked to a guy who had his starting quarterback who's like a middling prospect. He's okay. And their best wide receiver basically get offered as a combined group a half a million dollars by what is essentially a mid-major football program. What the heck? Yeah, dude. And I thought it was one of these things where it's like, okay, only a couple of these schools got money. I ignorant me. I didn't realize that a lot of these schools apparently have excess cash laying around um, because, again, it's not NFL money. But there are there are some programs out here that don't compete like top twenty five programs that pay like top ten. Well, I, I think it's at those certain positions, like quarterback, yeah. your skill position. Those are always going to be your bag guys, like the guys who can truly put you over. I mean, I, I don't think they're paying half a mil for every player on their roster. No, but they have half a million available to give to two players. Yeah. And that, that to me, was staggering, considering the, the level of football that this school plays. Yeah. Well, in that case, if you are Grayson McCall, why wouldn't you do another transfer, you know? Like, if that yeah, if that's what the running price is for someone, a transfer quarterback, why wouldn't you just, oh, I can go in the portal again, go play somewhere else and get some more money, more money while I do it. Yeah, I'm not mad at any of the decisions that the quarterbacks are making. You can't blame them. No, you cannot at all. Um I just I, it's 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 a little crazy. Yeah, it's a little crazy to me. Um, we don't pocket watch. I don't like to do. I like the idea that these kids are making this kind of money. I don't like the tampering aspect of this. Um, I don't know how I would handle it as a football coach. I really don't, because this some of the same coaches I was talking to today told me they had a guy come to him with terms from another football coach, like two months before the portal window it was even like close. This is in like October mid season. There's a lot of rumors that Texas did the same thing last year with A.D. Mitchell, that that was kind of, you know, y'all saw how y'all saw how fast people came back from a high ankle sprain this year at the University of Georgia from tightrope surgery. That guy was set out eight weeks last year. Tampering's happening all over the place, and guess what? It's like one of those things that nobody's doing anything about, mm-hmm. which is even weirder to me. But what think, are you going to do? I think it's one of those things where it's so hard to prove that you're doing it. I mean, Own records? I feel like I feel like there's some. You really loop, wanted to get into it. There's really. loopholes to a lot of things. Yeah. yeah, like the whole thing about contacting and tampering. Like for the Riley Leonard situation, well, a lot of these guys have agents for mm-hmm. NIL stuff and NIL deals, or a, like someone that handles that stuff for them. So maybe Notre Dame called him, didn't call Riley Leonard, and then like you know, it, like there's some loopholes. I feel like to a lot of these things, where it's like, well, we didn't technically cheat. Like we didn't talk to Riley Leonard or anything like that. Yeah, it's also like. The NCAA doesn't have the means to open an investigation on every single college football team 
in the Power Five just because no. everyone's doing this. So it's pretty much it's not allowed, but we don't have a way to stop it right now or to prove it or to go as deep enough to prove it. So you could stop this right now. Salary cap. Mm-hmm. Salary cap. Put it on the Power Five. So you're only allowed to spend $12 million a year. I mean, and it has to be allocated. And they're, you know, it would require a union, right? It would require yeah. player representation. Mm-hmm. And people listening to this will be like, oh my God, a union. How would you ever manage to do that? Well, they did it themselves during COVID to make sure that they saved their own season. Yep. And it was created by two first round football players who just wanted to play one more year, Justin yeah. Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So the idea that players can't unionize was kind of uh, debunked a long time ago. I think the problem you I think run into what ultimately led us to where we are now in terms of player mobility. Yeah, I think the problem you run into with the whole salary cap thing is, again, who's going to be there to enforce? Obviously, you said create a union, but I mean, five well, years. Salary caps are enforced by, like, we have to see your books. We have to see where you're allocating your resources. Yeah, but I mean, five years ago, you couldn't pay players at all, and they were still doing it. So it's like the, okay. the under the table. Yeah, no, un- that's a great point. The under the table stuff is still going to happen no matter what, even if you have a salary cap. One thing I haven't have yet to figure out: Have you heard about any of these guys getting caught up in any type of tax issues or anything like that? No, that's no. that's what I always wonder. Like, how do you have like? It must be all cash. Yeah, it's the only thing I can think about. I mean, it's got. It's, You're telling me in all of these nil cases in this world, the IRS ain't called one of these players yet and say you owe me ten grand. And we ain't heard about it. Yeah, that, that's what always has been very it's all supposed to, to be taxable income. Yeah, I mean, if $7 million hits your account, and obviously that's an exaggerated number, but if, if an exorbitant amount of money hits your account, the IRS is going to notice that. It's not like $500. Also, when this stuff came out, we were supposed to be told that all this stuff is supposed to go through an NIL clearinghouse at each individual school. Yeah, right. And these things were supposed to be public record. So none of it's going by the way the book, if you will. None of it's going by the way that they said it was going to. Yeah. Just I mean, you kind of had to expect that, though. Just a bunch of Marty Birds out here, man. <laughs> it is one of the greatest, uh, what do you call it, money laundering systems that has ever existed. Yeah. Paying sure. college football players is one of the best and longest running away from the IRS money laundering systems ever. That well, and cocaine money downtown in the college um, for sure for sure just but hundreds of millions of dollars over the years have been siphoned to college football athletes under the table away from the irs well i mean all you got to do is get your grandpa to write you a check hold your money for you <laughs> who told oh johnny Manziel. that's right <laughs> that was nuts that's insane that was crazy um what was even crazier about that was the home the homeboy that was getting like a five percent stake mm-hmm. for just washing his money what a genius. What a Used genius. to go around partying with Drake and Johnny Manziel for just washing some cash for his homie. Yep. And gets paid to do it. Yep. And gets paid to do it. You know, getting paid in cash kind of sucks. Um, can't do much with cash until you clean it. Yeah. Not that I would know. Um, but anyways, let's play What If Wednesday. You want to? Let's do it. <clears throat> Who's got one? Well, I mean, this, this is kind of one that leads into what we were just talking about. What if K.J. Jefferson does decide to go to South Carolina? Does that pretty much save Shane Beamer for another season, or is he still going to be on the hot seat no matter what? I mean, it feels like he's already going to be around for another season. You know who I was impressed with early and then kind of faded off? Dow Loggins, the OC there. I was really impressed early in the season. But maybe they just had so many injuries that they just couldn't overcome it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, your quarterback can only run for his life, and you have an effective offensive plan. I was really impressed by Spencer's legs this year. 
super, super impressed by his ability to extend. Yeah, I don't want to serve him well in the NFL. I don't want to change the subject, but I did want to comment about Spencer Rattler. Like one good thing about him and why I think it was a good idea that he did go to the NFL draft is that despite all the struggles of South Carolina this year, everybody kept saying like, but he's still impressive. Like Spencer yeah. Rattler is still playing well despite South Carolina's struggles. So like everybody saw the vision of him as an NFL prospect. But to KJ Jefferson's point of if he goes to South Carolina. I just don't feel like that's a – for me personally, I don't think that's a good place to end up going into a fifth year mm. of playing SEC f- football at the quarterback position when you're already taking beatings enough because you are a dual-threat guy and you are a ground-and-pound guy when you are a dual-threat. I don't know if that's the best place to go. I think Oregon's a better fit. Mm. Hmm. I heard Washington floated out. I don't think Washington and what Caleb DeVore uh, – is it Caleb DeVore, the head coach up there? Yeah. DeVore? Um, I don't think what DeBoer does offensively fits KJ. No. KJ's not a good enough, a, 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 pro, a, a refined enough thrower of the football to be throwing it 35 times a game out of a true traditional spread. But I do like the, the Oregon ideal where he just gets to add in an extra hat, be a, a like run him 10 times more per game than they do right now, Bo Nix, yeah. but run the same stuff. Could be like a Spencer Sanders guy too. That's a good look in terms of like, going to be a backup somewhere, but I don't think that's why we're entering the portal. No. We're entering no. the portal to no. get a big, fat check. <laughs> big, True. fat check and a starting job. I, there were some rumblings that Arkansas fans weren't exactly happy with him. K.J. Jefferson? Yeah. I don't understand that one. Who do you think you are? Kind of one of those deals mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. How dare you kind of deal. Yep. Felt the same way about Georgia fans towards Stetson Bennett and their feelings when he returned. Like, what are you doing? Why, why would you ever say that? It was gross. You should be ashamed of yourselves for that one, honestly. Um, if you did it. If you were one of those people that was like, damn it, Stetson coming back for a sixth year is going to cost us Brock Vandergriff. Because that person, that person already overlooked Carson Beck, by the way. I noticed every single time they did that. Oh, man. Oh, the, my favorite one. Oh, was, man. My favorite one is he's the reason Jermaine Burton's leaving, and now they dunk on Jermaine uh, Burton all the time. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, but no, nah, if you were one of those Georgia fans, embarrassed. You should be embarrassed to yourself. Um, what if Washington and Oregon turns into a rock fight on Saturday? Okay, I have a, I okay. have a very similar one. And a rock fight, which is not plausible, all right? It's not going to happen. Uh, these, two are, these two are not going to play a 17-14 football game. It's in Las Vegas. It's, no. it's in confer- or, uh, controlled circumstances. But let's just say it happens. Let's just say or it happens in a fashion where both these teams run the football um, or one guy has a multiple interception game, loses them the football game. The other guy runs it to victory, and Carson Beck throws for four fifty. That's that's I have. What if Michael Penix and Bo Nix each throw three picks on Friday night? And Carson Beck just eats. You yeah. mean Bo Nix? No, oh, no, no. you're talking about Heisman. Yes, that's yeah. what you're talking about. Yes. Okay, that's I was like, why is Carson up? Beck being I'm setting up? I'm setting up the potential avenue for Carson uh, Beck to win a Heisman. Yeah, that's that's mine exactly. I think you need both of those guys to play. Because we'll look at the Heisman odds later, but you 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 need both of those guys to have bad games. Jaden Daniels isn't playing right now, so he can't make any more progress. So oh shit, I didn't even think about that in this what if scenario. They just give it to Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. By the way, he does have a Heisman moment. Who? He beat Missouri on the road this year. Comeback oh, victory right. on the road. He near, well, he, he had a little under under four hundred total the de- yards. The defense had a pick six to win that football game. He had a little under four hundred total yards and four touchdowns. Okay. I think that's, that's worthy fair. of a Heisman no, moment. That's, Plus, that's, that's a if it's not, one. name me a Heisman moment for Caleb Williams last year. Uh, the highlight crazy throws that he would make. Yeah, the one throw against UCLA. But it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have to be a game or a performance, but if you're putting yourself on there with highlight plays and things such as that and you're getting people to talk about you, well, isn't I, that I, what Jane Daniels did? I would Daniels say Jane Daniels has plenty of highlights this year. I mean, yes, but... 
Just want to point it out. I think it's a good thing to point out. Um, but I, I, I still don't know if there's a, a potential for Carson to win this thing, and I don't think they care either, obviously, what I mean, we saw from the Georgia Tech performance. Yeah, no. I think there's definitely potential for him to be in the – standing on the podium, like <laughs> being in the top three. A potential where I have to buy a $500 plane ticket to New York for two days and sleep I, in a gutter? I think, I think if you win – I'm so screwed. But I'm going to have to go, right, because I didn't get to go last year. Yeah. So what do you do? Like, what does a credentialed person do when you go? You just Nothing. go and sit in the room? No, you don't even get to sit in the room. Last year, you didn't get to sit in the room. You just got to go and take photos of the trophy mm. and the person standing next to the trophy. Cool. It's New York, though. It's kind of dope. And what else am I going to do next week? I don't know. State championships aren't until the week after. Oh, that's a good point. So. No, I think the avenue for Carson Beck is, like we said, both of the Michael Penix and Bo Nix have awful games, and Carson Beck – Beats Alabama has like a 400-yard, three-touchdown game where it's just like, oh, my God, this guy truly yeah. is the best quarterback in the country, and he's on the 13-0 and college football team that's got back-to-back -back national titles. He would have the advantage of the peak-end rule effect where mm -hmm. it's – you don't know what that is? The what? Psychology, man. Peak-end rule effect. Basically, when something ends – I don't need to see a shrink, dude. I'm okay. <laughs> it's basically the – it's basically what recency bias is. Mm. It's like you focus on what happened most recently, like the highest peak that? most recent – that's what you focus on, and you ignore everything else that happened. The pecan theory. Pecan. Pecan, I would say. That's a pecan pie. I got one more. What's up? What I if two more, by the way. What if this is just now starting an era where Dabo Sweeney begins to take transfers? You know, he, he like I said, he offered that kid from Shorter today. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's what I'm looking at. Yep. I think it's – I mean, he took a transfer tackle a couple years ago. He doesn't take a lot. But I did see the the joke on Twitter today that, of course, the first high-profile transfer portal target that Dabo Sweeney went after was a kid from a Southern Baptist school. You know, makes sense. It does. A city. It is called the School on the Hill. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, that checked out in terms of fitting the 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 profile for a Clemson football player. You gotta love God to go to Clemson. There ain't no uh, atheists that play for Dabo Sweeney. And I don't say that jokingly. I just don't think it would be a very comfortable environment no. for someone who doesn't want to hear about God. No, yeah, he definitely I don't say that jokingly at all. I'm dead serious. Every single player I've seen him recruit loves Jesus. That's good because you got to to go there. Hmm. Um, what if Georgia handles Alabama Saturday? Like absolutely smacks them around. What are you asking this in context? I mean, obviously they're in, they're in the playoff. What do you think is going to happen? I think Georgia's national title odds are going to shoot – up. That's my I mean, first note. Shoot up. That's my first note. Um, I think this is the the last big test for them. I don't. I don't think anybody else prov provides like a serious serious problem except for maybe Texas. You don't think a, you don't think a Michigan would? I don't think Michigan can beat Georgia. I don't. I, I think this whole idea that I'm going to line up and be tougher than you ain't going to fucking work. Dang it! Oh my Dang. god! I'm all over the place tonight. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. On paper, it definitely doesn't work. I don't think you can bully one of the biggest boys in college football. I do think there are other avenues, like a, like you said, a Texas or an Oregon, where strong defensive performances, you can't really run the ball, combined with quarterbacks that can make things happen, like a Quinny or a Bo Nix. Mm. So there's definitely more tests down the road if they beat Alabama, but I, I do think Alabama is it's the ultimate test. It always is the ultimate test, no matter when you play them. Mm. I mean, would there be, though? I mean, because, like, this well, that kind of dives into a bunch of scenarios, and I won't get into that because we're going to do that in a little bit. 
Um, well, I mean, like, hi, let's say hypothetically last year, Alabama was the team that won the West and Georgia beat them. That wasn't Georgia's last test. You had to get in a dogfight with Ohio State in the Peach Bowl in a game that, going into it, you were pretty well favored to win. I think they were. And I, I would have told you last year during November that Ohio State scared me from a matchup perspective because of what they could do through the air mm -hmm. and how explosive they right. were and how good their quarterback was. And when I look across college football right now, there there's not a lot of those. No. Alabama is the one because they're immediately like immediately you look at them top to bottom. They're talented enough to punch with you for four quarters. Now, whether or not they do so, I don't know. But they can get up for one game to do so. Um, and outside of that, again, I think Texas and Oregon are playing really, really well right now. But I also think there are some things that uh, that Georgia could get away with in that those football games as well. I mm. just – the Michigan matchup does not – Yeah, I thought, it doesn't do it for me. I thought for a little bit Washington was going to be that team because they had the, the, the wide attack. receivers. Yep. And they had – Michael Penix was playing like the best quarterback in the country. But then, after you beat Oregon, they quit looking like that for some reason. So, yeah, you're right. I agree. There isn't really a team that poses that threat in the passing attack this season. Anything else? That was all my words. I got a what if. What's up? What if this cultural playoff ends up being just like the others? We get to the semifinals, a bunch of snoozers. I'd be severely disappointed. I'm not going to say the rest of the analysis didn't matter, but the rest of the analysis would have not mattered because we think we have eight good teams. Uh, to me – and seven. I think we got seven good teams. I don't mm -hmm. think Ohio State can win a 90. And to me, I think that that would just further instill the the crowd that doesn't like the 12-team playoff. Because if, if it isn't this year, then I don't know if you're ever going to get it. I don't know if you would ever get a full playoff system where it's just good game after good game after good game and that you, there was a need for it. You don't get that in the NFL where they let almost over half the league in. That's true. Like you're, you're you don't get that in March Madness. The, this idea that we can manufacture the perfect game where you leave and you say, oh, my God, every single one of these games was down to the wire. They were close. That's not how sports work. You got two incredible semifinal games last year, and everyone said, this is it. This is the best college football playoff we've ever had. Then Georgia goes out and beats TCU by 58. It's like, oh, my God, this is why we need 12 teams. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's exactly what happened yeah, last year. You're right. So, you're never, it's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You just have to accept that. I got another one. I do, too. Go ahead. What if Michigan does all of a sudden decide to be a team that throws the ball 30-plus times a football game? Does mm. that change anything for you about they're oh, going yeah. to beat Iowa that changes by 90? My, that changes my evaluation about the matchup against a team like Georgia. Mm. I, I think they ha they're going to have to morph into some type of passing attack team. Now, they've shown the ability to do so with Roman Wilson and J.J. McCarthy earlier in the year, but as soon as they matched up against good opponents, y'all know what happened. They squatted on that damn thing. What well, do you think so, it also has any attribution to Jim Harbaugh? I mean, hey, look, yeah, we're better sure. than these teams. Just go out there, yeah. just bludgeon them. When I come back – It had a lot to do with the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach being an interim head coach and not trying to lose a football game. We've talked about that for sure. Right. My, next, my next question would be, is that just something you can all of a sudden become, though? In terms of yeah, I mean, if you have talent to do so, yeah, and they're and and you're 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 throwing into one on ones, not multiple coverages. You know what I'm saying? To me, it just feels like Michigan's offense and in, in its entirety is built not to do that. It's built to do what they've continued to do. Of like, we're going to play a bunch of offensive linemen up front. We're going to push you around. We're going to run the football. And it's it's consistent with the takes around here. You can't beat Kentucky like you want to beat Florida, right? We talked about that in 2020. Yeah. Uh, you can't beat Ohio State or you can't beat Penn State. Like you're going to have to beat Georgia later on in the year or whatever the offensive firepower might be towards the end of the season. You can't do that. You can't just squat on the football. you got to be able to show the ability to do so throughout the year. So I'm with you. What does Ollie Gordon need to have happen to get into a legitimate 
Heisman Trophy conversation. Is it possible? What is he, like it's eighth? Not a, it's not a what if. It's impossible? He's like eighth Ollie odds? Gordon has to have like a Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin type game like where he has 44 totes, 280 yards. No, he would need to single handedly no, no. beat Texas. He needs 400 yards to get For real? Yeah. He needs something like out of this world. Yeah. Like he needs to single handedly beat Texas himself. I'll go ahead and give you this. There, I have the top six odds on the Heisman list. He's not anywhere near that. Huh. He was floating around like the seven eight range. They all, for a yeah, but bit. they they always do that like obligatory. Like, hey, there's a running back that could win too. Yeah, give me the odds while we're here on the high. All right, so it, it looks like it's down to a two man race right now. Bo Nix is the odds on favorite at minus one forty. Jaden Daniels is right behind at plus one ten. Then after that, you have Michael Penix at plus twelve hundred. So oh geez. wow, yeah. Good so Lord. so assuming he wins that game, I think he. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's looking more and more like Jaden Daniels wins it if Oregon doesn't come home with a win. Following at fourth is Carson Beck with plus 15,000. 15, Good Lord. So he's really not an odds-on favorite to do that. So I don't think anybody but uh, who are our options there to actually win it. We said Jaden Daniels uh, and Bo Nix. Those are seemingly the, the two options to win a Heisman Trophy. All right. Pretty much. So we've been doing magical scenarios. We've been going through some scenarios on here. We think it's some good talking points just to kind of give the lay of the land for some potential opportunities. So the first one I want to do, fellas, is I want to find a way for Ohio State to make their way into this college football playoff. Ohio State sitting right now, okay, at number six. six, Okay, and sitting at home this week, all right, not playing. So what has to happen? So first off, oh, my bad, Jay. Well, I wasn't looking. I think I got one. Okay. I think think this might be one. What if Georgia, Michigan, and Washington all blow out their opponent? Oh, oh. I mean, blow them out of the water. So Georgia, Michigan – and Washington, yep, just destroy football teams. Not even a contest. So they're in, they're in, they're in. Uh-huh. Bama's out, Oregon's out. Obviously, Iowa's out. Oklahoma State's out. Hold on, what's up? Hold on. There's oh. more to it. While Texas loses, okay, so Texas is now out in this scenario. FSU wins another ugly one, like okay. a super ugly so one. We'll say they win by one on a last-second field goal. Yep. All right. Would so, that be enough? To maybe let Ohio State jump in there. Because now Ohio State's loss to Michigan doesn't look too bad. I mean, they just obliterated another opponent in their conference championship game. Georgia, of course, all those other ones locked in. FSU now has struggled for multiple weeks. I mean, for continuously the entire season. Maybe the committee's like, we might give the edge to Ohio State here. Ohio State has a road win over Notre Dame and a win over a top 10 then Penn State and a six-point loss to number two Michigan who might be number one depending on how bad they beat Iowa yeah. and how close Georgia plays uh, the game against Alabama. What yeah, I've, I've got one similar. You, you right, Hold on. Before we go there, what happens here? Do they I take, think it's a tough decision. I think they have – I really do think the committee has pigeonholed themselves into a, a corner with regards to Florida State. What's, mm-hmm. I mean, comments constantly about best football teams while also telling us that they don't think they're the same football team without Jordan Travis. Tells me exactly what they're thinking, in my opinion. Yeah, and like, let's say FSU wins thirteen to ten or something Ooh. ugly like that, like a real stinky. Nobody wants any. Like, obviously, not one of the best four teams at that point. I think that there's a legitimate chance that they would say, "Let's give it a freaking Ohio State." What do you think, Kerb? I just don't know how you drop Florida State two spots. It would really only after be one, a, right? After a win. Yeah, really, because Texas really – so, you, so you're saying Ohio State jumps two spots for doing Sitting nothing. At home. Okay. 
the scenario I had is you obviously you need. All right, let's go to your scenario. We're wiping this clean. Uh, I think because of precedence, they're going to go with the, the conference champ. They're not going to punish them for winning ugly on yeah. the road. Or, excuse me, in a conference championship game. What's your scenario? So, obviously, like, like Jay will say. Let's start over here and put LSU at home. Okay, 12-1. and one. What's up? So, obviously, you need Georgia and Washington to both kill their opponents because you, okay. you don't want a 12-1 and one Washington sitting around at all. Correct. Then you need Texas to lose. Okay, an L for Texas. So, Texas is out. Oklahoma State's not anywhere near enough. You Correct. need Florida State to either play, like Jay will said, another bad game. So, we'll give them another plus one win. I have Michigan losing in this scenario. All right, Michigan out. Mm. Okay. Because then that creates a precedence of Michigan's 12-1, and one, but they're not a conference champion, and they lost to a pretty bad Iowa team. Mm. So now you have 12-1 and one Michigan and 11-1 and one Ohio State left, and there's really not anyone else you can put in. Oh, this is the Michigan versus Ohio State versus FSU discussion. Yep. So this takes them all three in. Yeah. And you've got a head-to-head against Michigan. So in this case... It, it takes them all through with assuming two spots opening up because Michigan losing and for State not playing well or losing. I think Ohio State's knocked out in this one because Michigan has the head-to-head. Yeah. And again, you're not going to get punished for playing in your so, championship game unless you're Georgia. Right. So, but that, there's another spot left then. So one, Florida State... So two, Flo- Michigan. Three, and I already said... So uh, Florida State. So right. Florida State staying there in that scenario? Over who else? Ohio State. That's all that's left. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. They're not going to take two Big Ten teams there with one loss. It's going to take a lot for the, them to get in. For Florida State? For Ohio State. For Ohio State, yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the ideal scenario, Georgia wins, Washington wins, Michigan wins, Texas loses, Florida State loses. Yeah. Like, you need, you need those that's two teams. That's OSU. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah need, that's you, need those, you need Texas and Florida State to lose. It wouldn't hurt – if Michigan loses, but you really need those two teams to lose. All right, what is our other nightmare scenario? We have the all-SEC matchup. How do we get to that? Or no, we got a two-pack-12 ba- two team. Okay, a two-pack-12 team. How, how do we get to this, Curb? All right, so first off, you need Washington to lose. Oh, right, you need what? Okay, yeah, okay. So because we need you can't a 12-1 Washington yep. and a 12-1 Oregon. That's what we need. Yep, then you okay. need Texas to lose, obviously. Get get the Texas Big 12 out of there. They're out. Oklahoma State's not anywhere well, near enough. Loss, they're, they're out. They're already a three loss, actually. They're yep. already out. Michigan loses. Okay, Michigan takes an L to Iowa, even, they're, even though they're a 23-point favorite. Yeah, it's, it, okay. hey, it's a stretch. It's a, yeah, it's a big stretch. Bama loses. Georgia, Georgia solidifies okay, the number so one spot. Wins. They're in. They're for sure. And okay. then you need Florida State to lose or have an ugly, ugly win. All right, so all of these scenarios end up with an ugly win for Florida State or mm-hmm. a loss. Um, an ugly win. Here's the debate. Ugly win for Florida State, are they in? No matter what, I don't tell you any other circumstances. They're 13-0. and They have a backup quarterback. They're an ACC champion. Are they in the college football playoff? How ugly is this Don't one? care. I'm not giving you history tells me the game. History tells me they're going to get put in. Yeah. I think so, too. But, again, why, why would they continue to harp on this best four teams? This year, in particular. I'm, I'm trying to set you Florida State fans up for some heartbreak because I think it might be coming for you because every single – Kirby – Kirk Herbstreit's out here dropping F-words talking about you guys getting into the college football playoff as the, as the main voice of college football and ESPN. So I'm just – the tea leaves are there for Florida State to get F'd in this situation. Yeah. Where so, are we at here? So, I mean, the situation you create there is you have two 12-1 Pac-12 teams. Mm-hmm. You have a 12-1 Michigan that did not win their conference – and then you have a 13-0 Florida State that didn't look great. 
I'm or thinking, or ideally ideally in the situation just say Florida State loses because that would eliminate right, them all together. That would eliminate them all together. We don't now, need to worry. In this case, so now you have to choose between a Washington team that lost in the conference championship or a Michigan team that lost in the conference championship to a far superior opponent. You would take Washington because they've won against the opponent that they lost to. Michigan's yep. out, and the loss is better. So that's how, that's how you get two Pac-12 teams in. Huh? Now the question is there: who gets that you fourth? Know. Who gets that fourth spot? Probably Michigan with the head-to-head. Yeah, over Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Assuming Texas has lost, but in this situation, if Michigan loses, I mean, you could still get Texas to win and get in there. It's not that big of a deal. All right, all SEC matchup. How's it happen? Last one. Oh God! So Alabama, first off, you got to have Alabama win. Yep. yep. Close. Yep. Gotta be yeah, it's, it's got to be like a game of the century. Like, oh, my God, these are the two best teams in these college football. That was clearly the national championship game. Yep. Mm-hmm. You need okay. Washington to smoke Oregon. Okay. Washington smoke Oregon. You need Florida State to lose. This isn't a problem. Even if they're in, you're, you still get an opportunity. Yeah, right? you need you need Florida State okay. to lose. Florida State and Texas to lose. But I, I would say you need you need Michigan to not play great. You need, right. you need Michigan to play really, really good against this, Iowa. This scenario makes me want to ask this question. Alabama beats Georgia by, or excuse me, yeah, by slim pickings, okay? And Texas wins. And Michigan wins. Florida State loses. So now we get into a situation where it's Michigan, an SEC champion in Alabama, okay? A Pac-12 champion, whoever wins that. All right, Texas and a 12 and one Georgia. Those are your five teams. Who gets in? The way the committee's put it this year, Texas is going to get in because they valued that head-to-head over Bama so much. Now I don't know how much they value transitive property of this team, but this team, this team beat this team, and then team A beat C, and then A. I don't even know how they did the transitive property. You get what I'm saying, though. So basic- that, that's the path to Georgia getting screwed here. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been out here. Like Herbie came out and Josh Pate did the thing about. Georgia is very clearly one of the best four teams. They should be in no matter what. The scenario for Georgia losing is Alabama beating you, Michigan, Texas, uh, and Washington, or Oregon, yeah. or whoever winning out. Really? Texas is the one that's throwing a wrench into Georgia's college football playoff plans because if they didn't beat Alabama, then it Texas is no longer in this conversation of like, well, if we put Alabama in, then we have to put Texas in. So, and I'm in, I'm in agreement with that because I agree. We cannot sit here and say that these regular season wins do not matter. You have to acknowledge that for Texas. Well, don't lose to Oklahoma then. So the, so the scenario would be Texas loses, and hell, Michigan loses too, and Florida State loses. Bottom line. We still got a lot of crazy shit to cycle yeah, through we yeah. do. in college football. Do y'all hear all that pinging? Do you think the audience hears all that pinging? What in the hell's going on with that ding dong, ding dong, <laughs> ding dong stuff going on? That's our Discord going off yep. right now. Our Discord's going ham for some reason. Wait, do you I, have I, any idea why? I want to do one more scenario. Okay. <laughs> what's, hey, that's why we built it, baby. What's the least problematic scenario where everyone goes, yeah, you know what? These are the four best teams. Oh. Hey, it's Gary Danielson. Hey, that boy Gary. Um, this one's easy. Georgia okay. wins. Georgia wins. Washington wins. Win, win, win. Win. For Florida win. State. That's it. Loss. So that's that's that's, that's the that's, easiest case scenario. That's the only way possible that this is easy money. That everybody says those that are the four teams. Like, those are clearly the four most okay. deserving and best teams. Honestly, that I didn't even think about this one. This is the only way the committee gets out of here scot-free. Yep. And I mean, looking at it, I could very well see that happening. It could happen. It very well could happen. 
So there you go. Good How question. anticlimactic would that be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we built all this up. I was like, well, I said, I'd be kind of be happy with it. I would be so very I, happy I with it. I don't want to see multiple teams get screwed in this situation. I'm yeah, because because the the least the less controversy you have in this situation, the more you can say. So you don't need a 12-team playoff. If you have a Georgia that's left out and an undefeated Florida State that's left out and you have all these other teams, all these fan bases pissed off, you're only going to justify <coughs> the 12-team playoff team, the 12-team playoff fan base even more. So. Let's play a little guess that team, J-Will. All right, bring it on. Hey, hold on. First of all, I want to ask everybody. we got a lot of people here watching tonight. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button, okay, and firing off in that chat. That's how we get this uh, algorithm tricked out. What's up? All right. This team is averaging 30.2 points per game on offense and allowing an average of 27.3 points on defense. Are they in the top 25? I get to decide All what right, hints I go. give. Oh, on sorry. Next one. That doesn't really serve me any purposes. Go on. Yeah, okay. Well, you got to start broad. So they're, they're a net positive of three points. They can't be – they've got to be a multiple loss football program. Got to be. This team ranks 71st on third down, converting just 38% of the time. Yuck. Really bad. Very. This team has one of the biggest wins of the entire college football season. This is Duke. Nope. Let me think for a minute. Let me think. Is this Clemson? No. Biggest right. wins of the college football season. What are the, let Me and you team up here. What are the biggest wins in college football this year? Texas over Bama. Correct. But I mean, their their point different. Oregon over Washington, it's not them. Or Washington beat Oregon. Yeah. Ooh, wait a minute. What? No, Washington put up enough too much points. Yeah. What's our next hint? This one will really help you. This team has thrown thirteen touchdown passes all season. How's that supposed to help me? They're awful through the air. Is it Georgia Tech? No. Oh, that's a good guess though. It is a good guess. It would have fit the mold on all of those. Has one of the biggest. Read your second hint again. The second one? Yeah, yeah, about the biggest win. This team has one of the biggest wins in the entire college football season. Is it Michigan? No. Michigan's defense is way better than that. Yeah, I forgot the defense is When you define big, right, like, did they upset one. like? Give me a record. Give me. Hold on. Wait, wait, this wait, next wait, one me, will help with that record. Let me let me ask a clarifying question. When you define big, is it like they upset a, a top ranked team or they it, just? It impacted the college football playoff. Okay. Huh. That's a this one. team is not eligible for the college football playoff. Okay. Oklahoma. No. This team is playing in the conference championship this week. Iowa. No. It's Oklahoma State. Yes. It's Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Them beating Oklahoma, I would consider yeah. as one of the biggest wins in the college football season. We were all wrong. Whole chat was wrong. We're all wrong. Let's go, dude. I knew that was a good you got one. It. You got biased. You got us. I think that that's the really first good. one he's gotten us on. I was surprised we've been getting those because those are yeah. that's a hard game, man. You're taking 130. 132 teams, and I'm getting six clues. Most are stat references. Hey, I try and help you. out. No, I mean you're yeah. fine. There's no way, no other way to give it to us. Yeah. Um, except for like geolocating a football team. Do we have another guess that team? Or is that one? The that one was it. That was all. The, that was the only one I had for you. Um, what are the the Heisman's? Uh, I know you already gave us the Heisman odds update. Let's let's re refresh them right quick. All right, so you got Bo Nix at minus 140, Jaden Daniels at plus 110, Michael Penix plus 1,200, Carson Beck plus 15,000. So it's essentially a two-man race, but it's a three-man race, likely. How many do they invite? I think you give four. 
I think you go for up to I, five. Well, I think it, it's all going to, again, it's, it's gonna, a two-man race. Well, it's going to depend on Saturday, too. If Carson Beck wins, you got to put if, him there. Yeah. I think regardless of what the others do, if Carson Beck <coughs> balls out, and he, I mean, regard, like I said, regardless of what the other ones do, like even if they ball out as well, if Carson Beck puts up a very, very, very impressive game on Saturday, I think they would say, yeah, that dude needs an invite. Yeah, if Carson Beck if Carson Beck wins on Saturday, he's in New York. I think. Um, have y'all seen some of this heat coming Ryan Day's way? No, for I mean, I guess I've like seen Ohio State. Before. Yeah, just losing three times in a row. Oh. Ohio State fans are just like, who are you gonna go get? Like, why? I just is, don't. I don't love this. They, they did that. And by the way, Michigan fans did the same thing to Harbaugh. They for did four it. Years. They did it to Harbaugh for four years. They did it to Kirby Smart for five. Before I mean, it always happens where it's like we gotta go get someone who can beat Michigan. Or who can beat Bama, or who can beat Ohio State? You're not gonna find the one like that one guy isn't there. There's probably four or five coaches in college football that for sure can beat that. Who are they? Right now, a coach, a, a coach A goes to school B. Automatically, they make them a perennial national title contender. Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart, Nick, Nick Saban. Saban, Nick Saban. Do we want to put Dabo? I would. I would put yeah, Dabo. He's been able to do it. He's done it twice. Yeah. There's only three coaches have won two. Dabo. Active coaches. Is that it? <laughs> There's not many. Is that the three? That's the three I, mean, I would say like without a doubt. LSU is one of these programs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ryan like to be fair, Ryan Day took over Ohio State and kept that thing running for a while until Harbaugh yeah. caught, So I mean, I would put Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh in that scenario. Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh. Like if They'll Ryan make you perennial guaranteed <laughs> top six, maybe have a chance to get into the top four. If if Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh said tomorrow we're not coming back to our respective schools. We're going to see where else we can. They'd be the two hottest names in college football. Mm-hmm. Everyone would be calling them. Yeah. Well, Harbaugh would be a hot name in the NFL, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't – for some reason, Ryan Day doesn't get the NFL rub. I think it's because of the, the gimmicky, quote-unquote yeah. gimmicky offense. Yeah. The air raid offense. Even though if you've been paying attention to the NFL, oh, C.J. Strauss kind of – Don't be it doing it, Chad. Get out of here with Jimbo Fisher. Get out of here with <laughs> that, that bull. joke. Mm. Um, he got mad. <laughs> got mad at the Jimbo jokes. Maybe five years ago. Clown act. Pisses me off. I don't know. Some of those didn't look like jokes. Uh, kind of look like jokes to me. Um, yeah, I think there's only three of these. Maybe you're in a five. We got to five. Oh, Day and, there's all, and there's only like two or three where you're like absolutely 1,000%. Who's on the fringe? Is Lane Kiffin on the fringe? If I give him a a, a top five job, Link, there's does a lot. He become a top five coach. There's a lot of guys where it's like, oh, if they had more resources, they could be. I mean, I think that's. I feel like we said that about Clemson before Dabo did it, and mm-hmm. then he got all the resources. Yeah, I mean, hell, he's got a two story slide in his in yeah. his football facility. Exactly. I mean, there's guys like like Lane Kiffin. I mean, Danny Elko is obviously one that they believe in now, where it's like he just needs the resources, and this is a national championship coach. Um, not Mar- Dan Lanning. Getting there. Yeah, Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning's on the come up more than anyone. I think you can certainly make an argument for Brian Kelly because, I mean, he did it for a while at Notre Dame. I mean, he consistently had them in the conversation of up there in the top ten, potentially being a playoff team, and now he's come to LSU and he's had immediate success. No, no top five football coach would ever allow their defense to look like that year two. I agree with There's you on that. There's no way in hell. Yeah. Now, I know he tried. I know, I know he brought in a, a bunch of freshmen, and I know he brought in a bunch of transfers, but he clearly did not develop the room correctly because they were abhorrent on the defensive side of the football. And, again, these top five guys, they don't let that happen. Um, so. it's, it's weird what's happened to his stock because last year this time, I mean, it was 
hey, he's in his first year. He beat Alabama. He won the West. Like this is a top five coach, and now it's it's had a disappointing second year. I don't I don't know if you would put him in the top ten in some instances. I, I probably would, just because of what they're doing offensively. You could have an argument to not put him in the top ten, though. Yeah, a much more fair. argument than you have last year. I, it would take me a while before I search for ten coaches better, in my opinion, than Brian Kelly, though. Mm-hmm. I think he's right around seven, eight, nine. I mean, you got. Lincoln Riley's falling like a rock. Good try doing that. Good try. I want to see you try this. Come on. Lanning, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, there's one more I'm missing. Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. You're at seven now, so, I mean, he's on the eight or nine spot. Yeah. Um, I'm even trying to There's a, There's another guy I'm missing. Would you put Hypel there? You didn't mention Dabo in this list. Dabo? Hypel? No. No, not yet. No, this guy's above Heupel. Norvell? Norvell? Not quite yet. You don't think like, Norvell's ranked higher than Brian Kelly now? No, Brian Kelly's made a college football playoff before. That's a good point. Multiple. Yeah. So he's top ten. Pretty, not like solidly there, but he's on the on the fringe. Yeah. Back in, eight, nine, ten. I'd agree with that. That's fine. Yeah, and like I'm saying, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think you could make the Closer argument. than what you would think it might be. Huh? I was saying closer than what you think it might be. Is yeah, what absolutely. Oh, some Brent Venables love in there. It's close, close. Big, big improvement from year two. Got to see it again. Year two. Got to see year three. Also, Gotta big three, disappointment. You go one win. Yes, yes. or one loss. Got to see that. No doubt. I mean, I'll, here's the thing: Does he get more grace? Does, do Sark and Venables get more grace next year? No, Sark definitely doesn't. Sark does not. You don't think so? Sark, do, He's getting do, his quarterback. Texas back. fans. From now on, we'll expect national title contentions. Especially with your quarterback even, returning. Period. Even if you have to play a Georgia team and you're, you're in they the SEC care. now? You beat Alabama on the road last hey. year. The, the standard is the standard now. That, they're the ones that beat their chest consistently about, oh, the SEC ain't, ain't all bad and as broad as you think it is. And this this ain't one of those Texas fans, st- state of Texas fan bases that are uh, delirious about who they are or what they are. They have the means and the notoriety and the history and the ability and the name brand, and they are what Texas A&M thinks they are. You know what I mean? They yeah. are that. Um, hey, we've had a great week of content. We have a whole another two hours coming up tomorrow, so make sure you're joining us. Um, without any college ball rankings reactions or any additional special guests, I think this has been our highest rated uh, national hour in terms of audience members. So, Congratulations to us. Congratulations to you guys as a family. We continue to grow larger, um, but it's only due to you guys spreading the word and spreading the love. Uh, hey, if you're at the Georgia game this weekend, if you're going to be at the SC Championship game, um, I'm going to have certified ball knower certificates to be given out um, if and only if you bring a film guy signed to the football game or to wherever and you get that sucker on some type of camera. If you do, whether it be mine, whether it be uh, CBS, whether it be uh, whatever, if you get a Film Guy Network logo on a sign or on your phone put onto a camera lens this weekend, certification of ball knowing coming your way. So there's that. Heck yeah. It's a nice incentive. It is. I got. I forgot. thought you were just going to be always like, just come say hi to me and I'll hand you up. No, dude. Put, put, spin camera three over there. Let them see what this certificate looks like. Because, you know, I had to award myself the first one. Um, I had to award myself the first oh, certificate of ball two, knowing. Um, so, yeah, you just put it back to me. No, but, no I'm spinning camera two because camera oh, three is not the right angle. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, anyways, here we go with our certificate of ball knowing right here. It's beautiful. Okay. It looks wonderful. It, it's, uh, yep, right there. Okay, a certified ball knower. Let me read this to you. Okay. 
I made this statement up as well, but you don't have to worry about that. Here we go. A certified ball knower, okay, is presented to player X. A certified ball knower. This certificate was earned through exemplary actions taken by a certified ball knower. For the coach once said, quote, first I must check the tape. I'm in. Amen. Certified ball knower. You know, someone makes a great point in the chat. College game day will be there. That's easy money. It really That's easy is. money. It really is. And you know what? They don't give a shit about us. No way. No way they care about us. Um, so, yeah, get you some easy money. Get you a certified ball nose certificate this weekend in your mailbox. Earn that sucker. All right, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.